And we're back with episode 40 of Dog Football Weekly. It shows for Reed with the co-host, Russ. And episode 40 of the podcast today, Russ, you know, football's been kind of dormant for the past week, as you know, just getting done with um, Selection Sunday, and now everybody's kind of gearing up for the bowl games. Um, here today also with a guest, uh, senior star basketball player, Charlie Briscoe. Charlie, how are we doing today? Doing good, man. Glad to be back on the podcast. And yeah. Wish we could say the same. Um, Russ, today, um, <laughs> there's a lot of news, a lot of buzz around about Georgia's number one commit, Dylan Rayola, on a visit to Nebraska right now. His father works at Nebraska. Just kind of tell me what are your thoughts on if and what I think when Georgia loses him. What do you think their the reaction will be around the community? Uh, well, obviously, we'd like to keep him at Georgia. Um, Georgia's going to have the number one recruiting class either way, whether he stays or he leaves. Um, I think it's a it's a big loss, but we also have Puglisi coming in. Uh, star guy, quarterback. A lot of people say they like him better than Rayola. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Rayola's got the cannon that's going to hurt hurt teams downfield. Yeah. And uh, so I've read a little bit about it, and – Nebraska seems where he's <coughs> leaning. Obviously, he's mm-hmm. still committed to Georgia, but he should be starting practice right now, and he's you know visiting Nebraska this weekend. So, um, you know, he was committed in what like June or it was in the summer, and everybody was like, "Oh, great! Oh, great! We got this guy! Got this guy!" And uh, to me, if they can make it through the weekend without him decommitting and committing to Nebraska, they'll keep him. But, you know, obviously he's been on this visit to Nebraska right now. I think he'll he'll flip today or tomorrow afternoon at some point. He'll announce it. And I think it just is what it is. The reason I've seen why he's leaving is because Matt Rule and Nebraska have thrown together a $3 million package deal in NIL money up front for him to come in and play and get $3 million up front. And Let's not make a mistake about it. Georgia has the ability with their NIL funding and their NIL programs to do that, but Kirby Smart doesn't want to waste $3 million on a kid that could be there for a year, a kid that could be there for a kid that may never even take the field for your team. You know, it's kind of just a guessing game with these high school prospects, and I think everybody would be lying if they said he's had a, he had a stellar senior year. He had a good year with productive numbers and solid stats, but it wasn't something that will blow you out of the water – but also, he was playing in the toughest division of high school football in America. Um, Charlie, you know, me and Russ have been talking about it for a minute. Just kind of tell me what you're thinking about this. I mean, like you and Russ both said, Raiola is a great player. And if he wants to follow his family legacy and go to Nebraska, good for him. But we need to stop pretending like Puglisi is just the other quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was, I believe, top 10 in the class. He transferred to play up in a bigger competition at prep school in Avon Oaks, I believe, in Connecticut is where it is. And he's athletic. He's dual threat. He's been living that schedule that you're going to see at Georgia every day where it's just it's school, work, football, travel, Mm -hmm. day in, day out. And I think he's prepared to play at the next level. And obviously with Beck probably coming back, regardless of – who stays, it's going to be a year to develop in a system. And I think Puglisi can be can be the next guy. And I think if Raola wants to go to Nebraska, I think, you know, 
again, that's good for him. And obviously it would be a huge loss, but I think Georgia's okay if he goes. I think Pugliese's he's raw, he's underdeveloped. He doesn't have the NFL family, the NFL connections that Rayola has. He doesn't have the, the training and the private coaching that Rayola has. But I think as far as gifts go, on the field talents, athletically I think he's a better athlete than Dylan Rayola. He can move a lot better in and out of the pocket. You know, a lot of people talk about Rayola having a generational arm, but Pugliese got an offer from Alabama <coughs> before he was even ranked as a prospect just off his arm talent. You know, Nick Saban, because this guy didn't commit to Georgia as a high four-star. And right now he's in like the hundreds in the rankings, which is still pretty high. But he came into Georgia as like the 400th ranked player in America as a three-star recruit, just off what Kirby Smart has seen in him. And he's only gotten better, and he's had a great senior year. And he's the one who's joining the team right now. He's the one at practice. And I think if you bring in two quarterbacks, that's great. That's awesome. If you bring in one, you're going to survive. And here's the thing that a lot of people forget. If Carson Beck plays next season – declares for the draft, you don't like Gunner, you don't like whoever's your number two, you can go to the portal and get a guy. Georgia can has the ability to go and get a guy out of the portal if they need to. And I think that's something that is kind of comforting for this team, and they might even go get Rayola out of the portal next year. You never know. Personally, I think Carson Beck's uh, waiting to decide if he's going to uh, go to the draft or stay. I think it's kind of hurting Um Georgia's recruiting a little bit. I think uh, the fact that Rayola doesn't know the future of Georgia's quarterback room um, is just kind of skeptical for him, and he he's flipping back and forth because he doesn't know. I mean, he wants to come in and start. He's mm-hmm. He's got a big ego. He wants to come in and play. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm I'm not opposed to uh, – to Gunner being being our quarterback at all, I think Gunner's a great player. Um, <coughs> if we were to have to start him or um, whatever, but you know we haven't even talked about it. Brock Vandergriff leaving, mm-hmm. going to Kentucky, Kentucky, a former opponent or a opponent of Georgia. Um, what are y'all's thoughts on that? I mean, I think. He's going to go to Kentucky and do what Kentucky does, which is be solid, be solid defensively, solid offensively, kind of do more with less, not really be explosive, not really be dangerous, but just kind of be a solid team. I mean, Kentucky's a tough team to beat in the conference. I think that's an easy – I don't think that's a ridiculous thing to say, that they're just solid all around. You don't get – Kentucky's not like a Florida team that will come out one week and, you know, beat the brakes off of – pretty solid Tennessee team and then fall apart against, I mean, get beat by 40 points. You know, this is a – Mark Stoops is a very good football coach. He's been there a while. I think he'll develop Brock Vandergriff. And I think Brock Vandergriff has all the talents to be a good quarterback. I don't know what his season will look like there. I don't think he'll go in there and just light it up and win a Heisman Trophy. But I think think he'll have a solid solid career at Kentucky with the, what, two years he's got left. Yeah, I mean, I, I really liked Vandegrift at Georgia. Um, it's sad to see him leave. Uh, it says a lot about his character to stay and develop under and really wait for any chance that was available for him. And I think he made the right decision to, to leave. You know, he was he was kind of running out of room, and it's it's his time to play. Um, I think it's a great fit at Kentucky. Uh, I would have I liked to see him at Auburn. I think mm-hmm. that would have been a really good fit for him. 
Um, but Kentucky, they're they're adding pieces. They got a good head coach, Mark Stoops. Um, I think he's going to be very talented. I think he's going to get Kentucky in that SEC's contention. I don't think they'll be able to hang with the Georgias and the Tennessees quite yet. But I think Vandegrift, with time to develop on what he's already been developing the past years at Georgia, I think that experience is going to help him. And I think Kentucky's going to be pretty successful with him. Yeah. Um, and, Russ, one more thing on Dylan Rayola before we move on to kind of our next topic here. You know, I don't think part of the reason why he's thinking about decommitting or thinking about flipping to Nebraska is because of money. I think it's more of this. Stetson Bennett sat at Georgia. I mean, Stetson Bennett came to Georgia, left, came back, sat, and sat for two years after he after he came back. It, he didn't start. He wouldn't name the full-time star until his fifth year at Georgia. Carson Beck is a redshirt junior right now, so he's in his fourth year. I mean, so – and there's guys ahead of him, and – Dylan Rayola is a great talent, but there's also a lot of talented pieces who are going to be sitting on this bench for longer than he has, been in the system longer than he has, and kind of already familiar with the offense, familiar with the coaching staff, and really just kind of just there. Um, the next topic for us, Russ, as we get closer to the bowl game, as we get closer to the game against Florida State, initially right now I want to hear your first score prediction for this game. What do you think the score will be? I, I haven't given it a whole lot of thought. I don't even know if I'm going to watch the game, <laughs> to be honest with you. it if I feel like it's going to be a low-scoring game uh, just because you're going to have some, a lot of guys who are not playing because they're declaring. Um, I, I'm going to go 24-17 uh, <coughs> Georgia. I like that. I like – I think the game's going to be a lot different football game than the Georgia team you've seen this year and the Florida State team you've seen this year. I think it's going to be two teams that come out just kind of like, eh, whatever. You know, like this game doesn't define Kirby's career or Carson Beck's career or Mike Norvell's career or Keon Coleman. Jordan Travis is obviously hurt. Johnny Wilson. So I think you're just going to kind of see just two teams that are just there. I think the Orange Bowl is a big honor. I think both teams recognize that, but I don't think – I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure out that, hey, these two teams aren't very excited to play in the Orange Bowl when they could be playing <coughs> in New Orleans or out in Pasadena for a national title game. And, you know, it sucks, obviously, you know, coming off the mountaintop, coming off the peak, coming off that just kind of unbeatable kind of streak that you were on. But, I mean, they're still sitting here and they got a chance to make another run that starts – on January – they play on the 30th? I don't know when they play. No. I have no clue when they play, honestly. Um, Charlie, give me your score prediction. You know, Reed, I think what you said, you know, not a whole lot of excitement between these two teams. I think you're going to get one of two things in this game. You're going to have either two teams dragging it out, losing a lot of guys to the draft, and it's just going to be a slugfest. Or you're going to get two teams that have every right – to be infuriated that they're not in the college football playoff. In my opinion, when fully healthy, both teams are top four teams. I'm very high on Florida State and what they've done, and obviously Georgia losing one game to Alabama and mm-hmm. they get booted. It's it's frustrating. But I think that regardless of who declares or who doesn't, I think both teams are going to play fired up. I think Kirby Smart and Mike Novell, they're both going to have them fired up and – they want to show the country, like, y'all left us out and we were supposed to be in. 
I mean, mm-hmm. there's there may not be a whole lot to play for, but there's going to be some motivation, I think. And obviously, Florida State gets Roadmaker back, and I think it's going to be but both teams are going to give whoever is on the field. <laughs> it's going to be the best that they can give, mm-hmm. and I think Georgia wins about 27-24. Well, one last question before we go, Russ. You know, it's never too early to start thinking about next year. Give me your 2024 college football playoff predictions. College football playoff. Um, or actually, there's, well, there's, no, it's there's a 12, 12, team, 12 team playoff. Give me your top four. Top four teams Georgia, mm-hmm. Alabama. Well, maybe. Your top four don't have the, it's going to be the champions. Yeah, it's top four teams. Players. Yeah. Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and Texas. Hmm. I actually, here's a better way to rephrase it. How many teams from the SEC do you think will make the 12 team playoff? That's a better question because the format still hadn't been decided on who's getting the top four. At first, they said it was going to be like top five is five highest ranked conference champions, but you know, conference realignment launches next year. So just tell me, team from the SEC you see making it? Teams from the <coughs> SEC. Um, Georgia, Alabama, they're, I would say LSU, but maybe not. Texas, probably. Who else we have? Ole Miss. Nah. I don't know about so that. So, you're going to go – I got about go, those three. You're going to go with three. Here's my early prediction. I think LSU is going to have a better year next year than they did this past year. I think Jordan is going to lose one or two games in the regular season next year at Texas and at Alabama are going to be two tough wins. I think Georgia, Bama, Texas, LSU, all four of those definitely make it, and I think LSU could be an at-large team. Um, kind of a sneaky team that not a lot of people have talked about, but the team that kind of sneak in there is Missouri. Yeah. And, you know, they've – you know, um, Eli Drinkwitz has put together a solid kind of tenure there, and I think he'll just build on that. Charlie, what are the four SEC teams you'll think that'll make it next year? I agree. Missouri is a dark horse for an at-large bid. Um, I just think with the new conference realignment, it might be a little hard for them to get in. But I think, obviously, you're going to have Georgia, Alabama, Texas. And then I think for that fourth, that fourth SEC team, I think you're going to have a battle between – you know, your your Tennessees, your Ole Misses, mm-hmm. your LSUs. I think one of those three at least will get in. Um, but I think you'll see three to four SEC teams. Mm-hmm. I think it turns into <coughs> who's going to who's gonna stay at two losses versus who's going to stay at three. Because once you get three losses, you fall out of that top ten range to that top, like, it's like at max 11 or 12 to – you could be as low as 22 or something. So, I think – and But what people have to realize is that every SEC team next year is playing either Texas or Oklahoma. And that's not going to be an easy game for anybody, whether Oklahoma, whether they go get somebody out of the portal, whether they play Jackson Arnold, whatever Brent Venables decides to do, they're still going to have a good football team. And, I mean, it's going to be tough. I think you're not going to have an undefeated SEC team next year. That's my early prediction here. That's going to be it for today's episode of Dog Football Weekly. We hope you enjoyed